0: Today's scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. and visited you, and the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. This is the word of the Lord.
1: So those of us, like me, who have trouble keeping a clean house, have an acronym, CHAOS. And it stands for Can't Have Anyone Over Syndrome. It's for when the house is simply too messy, too embarrassing for others to see. My son, Nate, who's almost three, he's an agent of chaos. If I'm not careful, every room in the house will look like a small-scale disaster. When it gets bad, there's simply no way that I'm comfortable inviting someone from outside the home into the home and into that mess. But there's a real danger there. If I expect my house to be perfect, if I expect my life to be perfect, before I invite others in, then it's never going to happen. Yes, sometimes hospitality is about cleaning up the house and bringing out the fine china, but sometimes hospitality is also about simply having the faith and the courage to invite people into your life, chaos and all. This goes for churches as well. I know churches that are afraid to invite their friends and neighbors to church with them because they're worried that the church doesn't have its act together. In my discussion around the open and affirming process and the covenant, someone asked me, are we really ready? If we are successful at inviting people of all backgrounds, black, white, gay, straight, differently abled, if we are successful, are we gonna say or do the wrong things? Can we really commit to welcoming all people if we don't know how to welcome all people? It's a good question, but I do want to lift up that we don't have to be perfect to invite people in. We aren't called to be a perfect church full of perfect people who always say and do the right things and never offend anyone. We are called to be a loving church that always has a good heart and good intentions and don't get me wrong, I think that we should be as ready as possible to receive new visitors, clean facilities, friendly faces. But the most important thing is to be genuine and authentic. To really have a love for others and a desire to be an inclusive community. So as your pastor it shouldn't surprise you that I'm standing here telling you, the most important thing is the Spirit. The title of this sermon series is Spiritual Practices, Spirit and Intention. To me, a lot of everyday things can be transformed into a spiritual practice if it is entered into with the right spirit and intention, and an intention to explicitly grow spiritually. It also occurred to me that in our highly individualistic and consumer culture, it's easy to see spiritual practices as private routines and rituals that you do alone. But I think it's great that today we are beginning this sermon series with a spiritual practice that is by definition social. Something that cannot be practiced in isolation. Hospitality is relational. Today's scripture that we read, it's also relational. In the end, we aren't judged by our privately held beliefs, by having the correct doctrine or dogma. No, we're saved by the way we treat other people. Notice that much of what we are judged by are acts of hospitality. Christ was hungry, and we gave him something to eat. Christ was thirsty, we gave him something to drink. Christ was a stranger, and we welcomed him. At its core, this passage is about showing kindness and mercy. But it also shows us that one of the primary ways we show kindness and mercy is through our acts of hospitality, especially to those we don't know well. Now, a lot of Christians, and this includes me standing here, have a hard time grasping the implication of today's passage. That, and what it means that Christ identifies with the least among us. We don't think of Christ as hungry. We don't think of Christ as naked. And we definitely don't think of Christ as a convict sitting in a cell. We think of Christ as transcendent and divine, not a beggar on a street corner. But if Christ really does identify with the least among us, then Christ is all of these things. Christ is hungry. Christ is naked. Christ is in need of sanctuary. Yet churches have not always been sanctuary for those in need of acceptance and love. In my ministry, I have been blessed to be the pastor to many different Christians who are gay. Their stories never challenged my faith in God, but they did challenge my faith in her church. People disowned by their supposedly devout parents. People asked to leave their congregations. People being told that they were welcome at a new church, but then being pressured to repress their sexual orientation and live a lie. I remember meeting a sweet, kind, young teenage girl who, this was when I was in California, and she was living with her grandparents because she was gay. She was sent to one of those pray-away-the-gay camps, those conversion therapy camps that are notorious for being abusive and ineffective. And when it didn't work, as it often doesn't, her parents didn't want her in the house. Fortunately, this girl found acceptance with her grandparents. Some wind up homeless. A disproportionate amount of homeless youth are gay. Some studies have the percentage as high as 40%, and the more conservative number is 20%. But either way, gay teens are horribly overrepresented among the teenagers that are homeless. And we're not talking about kids who are part of a homeless family. Their parents have homes. They've been evicted, or they've run away from a bad situation. The thing that got me most about this girl's story was that her parents were religious. They were Christians. The church, which should have been guiding her parents toward compassion and understanding, toward reconciliation and love, was putting dogma above compassion. And instead of being a place of sanctuary, it was a place of discrimination and persecution. Too much of the discrimination and pain that the gay community has faced has come from churches, places of God, temples of love. And that's why there's a special responsibility for us as churches to publicly and explicitly welcome all people, including gay people, without flinching, without reservation, because they are children of God and deserve acceptance. If Christ is found in the least among us, then Christ is gay and homeless. Christ is the refugee who arrives in this country with nothing after a terrible ordeal, not speaking the language. Christ is the addict who's alienated from his family and full of despair. It's not the image of Christ that we have in paintings or that we lift up in praise the church. But it's the image that Jesus chose for himself when he told this parable. He said, when you welcome these people, the people in greatest need, when you feed them, clothe them, care for them, you care for me. The open and affirming covenant is an established way through our denomination of letting people know, people on the margins know that they are welcome here. And that this is a place of sanctuary and hospitality no matter what. We will be joining 1,300 other churches, more than 1,300 other churches, in this destination, And we'll be giving courage to countless more. And I know from personal experiences doing ministry at First Church Somerville and at United Church of the Valley in California, both open and affirming congregations, that inclusion is a blessing, it's not a sacrifice. Hospitality is something that blesses the host more than the visitor. In Paul's letter to the Hebrews, he says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels, unaware. Who knows what angels will entertain by showing hospitality as a church? Who knows what blessing this covenant will bring to us. What I do know is this. God knows our heart in the matter. God is paying attention to our spirit and our intentions. We don't have to be a perfect church, perfectly ready for every visitor who might come through our doors. We don't have to agree on everything, even this covenant, or always get it right. We just have to listen to God's still-speaking spirit, and open the door to what might come next. Let us open our doors in a spirit of love and hospitality. Thanks be to God. And amen.